Hi friends, it's Andrea here with Anti-Diet Revolution. Is there one specific way to eat? Are there certain foods that must be included in your diet? Are there certain foods that you must avoid? When people find out that I'm a registered dietitian, they look to me for that magic advice of what they should and shouldn't eat. So what is it? The answer is probably not what you expect, but let's unpack that today. Welcome to Anti-Diet Revolution, the source for your weekly dose of non-dieting approach to weight loss and improved health. I'm Andrea Heyman, and I've been a registered dietitian for over 25 years specializing in weight management. I've seen countless women struggle in their quest to meet their weight loss and health goals. Over the years, I've learned that traditional diet culture strategies just don't work. I've found the keys to help you feed yourself, lose the weight, and meet your wellness goals without restrictive eating, menu plans, or missing out on your favorite foods. Through a non-diet approach, I'll provide mindset strategies, tips, tricks to achieve your healthiest body, and I'll share the stories, strategies, and successes to get your healthiest self. Interview guests will share their transformations from a traditional diet culture approach to food freedom. I'm on a mission to knock out diet culture and help you achieve the freedom, growth, improved health, and enhanced lifestyle that comes with adapting the anti-diet approach. Let's dive in. Let me go ahead and clear up a misconception. There's no one right way to eat. There are no foods you must avoid or include in your eating plan. I'll give you all some specific healthy guidelines in a minute, but first let's unpack why folks think that there are magic answers and that there is one answer. In a nutshell, it's diet culture. I know I come back to this and it's always diet culture, but it's true because from the time that we're really small, we've been exposed to countless messages from countless sources telling us women that thin bodies are the most desirable, they're most valuable, and they're the healthiest. Diet culture also conveys that eating a certain way is good or bad, that a person's worth increases when eating healthy or when living in a certain size of body. It's also worth noting that diet culture has presented this image of health as living in a really, really functional, able-bodied, often white body. And while that diet industry tells you that all your dreams will come true when you obtain a small body and eat a certain way, it doesn't tell you that dieting doesn't work in the long term and can be harmful emotionally, physically, and mentally. It's really a strong risk factor for an eating disorder or just disordered eating in general if it's not like a diagnosable eating disorder. And honestly, is a strong predictor of weight gain, which really surprises people. And that weight cycling, so weight increasing and then decreasing and then gaining the weight back, that's associated with that yo-yo dieting. And it's really not healthy for the body overall. It is everywhere. I have done another episode 
I can't remember which one it is. Um, it's a ways back where I talk about diet culture and all the places that we are exposed to diet culture messages. So I'm not going to go into that in a ton of detail today, but you know, we get that at the grocery store, for example, if the employee compliments on the shopper, ooh, you're getting a lot of healthy foods today. You know, we're getting that praise and kind of that reinforcement that, oh, this is quote unquote, the good way or the right way to be eating. Okay, so we see it in healthcare. We see it in the workplace. These are all the places that diet culture is very, very prevalent. Oftentimes, there's data that suggests that thinner individuals tend to get promoted more or get bigger positions. And then, of course, like TV, radio, movies, Think about everyone you see in movies and TV shows, they're all quite thin and there are very, very few bodies on TV and in movies that are larger bodies. And social media accounts, oh my goodness, so many eating accounts, fitness posts that they all revolve around being thin and they might demonize certain foods and things like that. And then think about clothing stores. When you go in the mall, the mannequins are always like very thin. And, you know, you never see a mannequin in a store window that's a size 14. All right. So we have all of these influences. And it's really hard for people that I talk to to really give up asking for nutrition advice. And this is completely understandable. It's really hard to go from where we are now, so ingrained in diet culture, over to where we want to be, where we are completely trusting in our own body's cues and how we feel and that type of thing to understand how we are going to feed ourselves. And that's where we want to go eventually. And if you need help with that transition more, of course I can help. I will put the link in the show notes so you can sign up for a free discovery call and we can begin to talk about how you can make that transition. But today I just wanna give you some basic tips on how to begin thinking about some healthy changes that you can make to your diet. Because in general, for the clients that ask me, the general advice that I provide is that a healthy diet consists of lots of fruits and vegetables, lean protein sources, whole grains, not a ton of added sugar or empty calorie foods, but those can certainly be part of your healthy diet. I advise not to skip meals or go too long without eating. And all of this makes sense. They are general, like big paintbrush sweeps, general guidelines. But the question is, folks typically say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, but they want to know how to do that. And in order to get to the how, we really need to make some targeted goals or changes, slow changes, in order to become that healthy person that we want to be. So the first step is really looking at your current way of eating. So when I work with folks, I often ask them, what's a typical day of eating? When they're talking, I certainly get some ideas of how they could improve their eating habits. 
But you'd be surprised how this simple question and just having folks talk it out, they are able to identify the areas that they think their eating habits could improve. It's almost like as they go through this exercise, people tend to confess or kind of out themselves and tell their deepest secrets when we have this conversation. The reality is that most people already know where to start. So talking it out or talking it out to yourself or to someone else can give you clarity. And then once you have that clarity, that leads you to the second step, which is to make changes in the areas that you've already been thinking about. So once you have that conversation and talk out, oh, this is how I typically eat in a day, you will notice that there are areas that, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be skipping lunch every day. Or the biggest challenge I have is in the afternoon, that type of thing. So that's where we start. We start with the area that you're already thinking about changing. If it's someone who eats out a lot, we'll break it down and identify three simple meals that they know they could prepare and make sure that they have a grocery list so that they have the ingredients to make those meals so that they can implement that very simple goal. And simple and easy is the key here. If the individual identifies that they skip lunch, we'll think of foods that they can eat during lunch. Maybe it's as simple as packing some almonds in an apple, just to get them in the routine of not skipping the meal altogether. Step number three is don't set too many specific goals. I know, I know, I know it is our instinct to make things happen quickly, but trust me when I say less is more here. We would much rather you focus on one or two really simple changes that you can put all of your efforts toward, all of your energy, and have really strong success. Once you have that success, you can add to it later and build on it. And this is where those small changes over time really add up to bigger picture changes. And then finally, it's really important to know your why. Initially, when we are making changes to our eating habits, we really need to rely on traditional goal-setting strategies that we're used to and that we hear about. This provides us a foundation. And once we have that established, then we can work on the mindset and getting to the root of the problem so that we can experience the lasting change that we're really looking for. So initially, we're relying on that intrinsic motivation. And you need to be clear about why you are making changes to your eating habits. Why do you want to do that? If you're doing it for the wrong reason, then you won't change your diet long term. It's just plain and simple as that. So I suggest that you ask yourself the question, why do you want to make the changes to your diet? Okay. So for example, the point is, is that it's typically not the first answer that you respond that's going to be your most motivating answer. So let's try, ask yourself why you want to change your eating habits. Okay, so a common answer might be to get healthy. 
This is where you dig deeper. Ask yourself again, why do you want to get healthier? The answer might be, so I can keep up with my kids. Why do you want to keep up with your kids? Because I want to be a good mom. Why do you want to be a good mom? So that my kids enjoy their childhood. Why do you want your kids to enjoy their childhood? Because my mom had health problems and I had a lot of responsibility around the house at a young age and I don't want them to experience that too. Boom, there's the real reason. That is the real motivating reason. And it's much more motivating than the initial response. So once you go through these four steps, you are ready, really ready to start taking the initial changes, specific changes, in order to change your eating habits for the long term. Until next time, take care.